This was supposed to be an episode about the results of the Iowa caucuses. The Iowa Democratic Party was debuting a smartphone app meant to streamline the process for reporting the results. They said the outcomes would be known sooner. But on caucus night, there were never any results. Even before February 3rd, precinct chairs were having a hard time using the app. Many never had any app-specific training, and some were never able to successfully download it to their phones. Some that could access it watched as the app shut down while they tried to enter results. As chairs around the state abandoned the app and tried to call their results into a party hotline, they couldn't get through. The Iowa Democratic Party claims supporters of President Trump jammed the phone lines to try and disrupt the process. They say that slowed down the reporting of results. Cybersecurity experts and local leaders had raised concerns about the functionality and security of the app weeks before the caucuses. But the state party said they were confident it would work and they had a backup plan if things went wrong. Now we can see that things went very wrong. So about those results, the Iowa Democratic Party started releasing them on Tuesday. We're recording this episode on Thursday, February 6th, and as of this morning, with 97% of precincts reporting, it showed Pete Buttigieg and Bernie Sanders in a neck-and-neck race, followed by Elizabeth Warren and then Joe Biden. Here's the thing. There were mistakes and inaccuracies in some of the results the IDP was putting out there. At one point, they published former Massachusetts Governor Deval Patrick had won delegates in Des Moines that actually belonged to Bernie Sanders. That's been corrected, but it was a very public sign that the IDP does not have proper checks in place to make sure they're putting out accurate results. As we were waiting for those final results to come in, the DNC chair Tom Perez tweeted, and I quote, enough is enough. In light of the problems that have emerged in the implementation of the delegate selection plan, and in order to assure public confidence in the results, I'm calling on the Iowa Democratic Party to immediately begin a re-canvas. But the state party seems to be pressing on with counting Monday's results. To say the least, this was not how the Iowa caucuses were supposed to go. I'm Clay Masters. I'm Kate Payne. And from the newsroom of Iowa Public Radio, this is Caucus Land. No surprises on the Republican side. President Donald Trump overwhelmingly carried the Iowa Republican caucuses. On the Democratic side, caucus night devolved into chaos. So you probably heard we don't know the results. Well, it looks like it's going to be a long night, but I'm feeling good. (laughs) Even without any results on caucus night, the Democrats gave their speeches. It is too close to call. So I'm just going to tell you what I do know. You won! (laughs) Bernie Sanders didn't get the turnout surge he wanted, but the Vermont senator announced a victory of sorts. I imagine, have a strong feeling that at some point, the results will be announced. And when those results are announced, I have a good feeling we're going to be doing very, very well here in Iowa. Meanwhile, former South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg leaned even further into a victory speech. So we don't know all the results, but we know by the time it's all said and done, Iowa, you have shocked the nation. And candidates were off to the next state, even without any official numbers in. By all indications, we are going on to New Hampshire victorious. The prize out of Iowa isn't its 41 delegates, it's the bragging rights of doing well in this first contest. Now this mess has undercut any momentum out of Iowa. We'll talk about what we know, plus how the Iowa Democratic Party is responding. Because the calls for Iowa to lose its place in the presidential nominating process are now louder than ever. 
Caucus Land is sponsored by Cornell College and by Gravitate Coworking, providing flexible workspace for freelancers, remote workers, teams, or anyone sending emails from a couch or a coffee shop, including those in Iowa for the caucuses. With premier co-working spaces in downtown Des Moines and Historic Valley Junction, Learn more at gravitatecoworking.com. This is Caucus Land from Iowa Public Radio. On Caucus Night, Clay and I both went to precinct caucuses. I wanted to get a look at a suburban precinct. Iowa's suburbs that surround its larger cities are increasingly becoming a battleground in elections. I went to Ankeny Precinct 13. The Des Moines suburb north of the metro is the 10th fastest growing city in the U.S., This precinct had to get a larger room for the 2020 caucus. It was in a hotel ballroom. 426 people showed up. One of the caucus co-chairs, Kelsey Goodman, kicked things off. I hereby call this caucus to order. Then surrogates stood in front of the crowd and spoke on behalf of the candidates they were backing, like Karen Peters, who was for Amy Klobuchar. She's demonstrated that she's gotten over 100 bills passed as the lead Democrat, 40 of them under Trump. And that's because of her ability, demonstrated ability, to get bipartisan support. She has realistic ideas and she gets it done. She doesn't just talk. Then the first alignment started. A woman counted the Elizabeth Warren supporters. When I tap you, put your hand down. That'll be the way it works. They were one person short of having enough for viability and they were begging people who were with other candidates who were clearly not going to be viable to join them. Come on over. The crowd of Warren supporters erupted when they hit viability. Uh, The first alignment has taken place, and the magic number was 64. Right now it says Warren, 66, Buttigieg, 114, Biden, 67, Klobuchar is at 75, Sanders is at 70. Those are the viable candidates uh, moving in past this first alignment. After the second alignment, Buttigieg ended up with four delegates. Sanders and Klobuchar got three apiece, and Warren and Biden both got two. Aside from having to recount the amount of people in the room, everything seemed to run smoothly at Ankeny 13. I went to Iowa City Precinct 17. Things ran pretty well, and a lot better than some organizers had thought. This caucus was in the auditorium of City High School, and in 2016, it was the single largest precinct in the state, with more than 900 people. Local organizers thought there would be even more this year, and the place was packed. We're going to move the line outside so we can clear the lobby. There's too much congestion. By the time other caucuses were wrapping up, Iowa City 17 still had people waiting to sign in. Ultimately, there were 875 caucus goers there, down from last cycle. Some people left before the first alignment, like Amelia Yaman and her six-year-old daughter, Piper. Amelia says they didn't have a babysitter, and Piper just got caucused out. I feel a little bit disheartened. I, you know, I don't know why this precinct happens to be so large, but... Yeah, it's a bit of a bummer to not be able to caucus for Elizabeth Warren, who I believe so strongly in. But at least I feel like she's far enough ahead that, you know, it's probably not going to make or break anything. But once the alignment started, it was clear the progressives were doing well here. This was one of the most Democratic parts of the state. By the end of the night, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders won five delegates each, and Amy Klobuchar won two. Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg never got viable here. So that's a glimpse at some of the dynamics at two sites. But there were some caucus oddities in other parts of the state. Warren and Buttigieg are tied, um, and in order to 
break that tie, we have to flip a coin. A few caucuses came down to a tie between candidates. That was decided by a coin toss, like in Des Moines Precinct 13. You, uh, you're going to call. I'm going to flip. Okay. All right. Jeez, this is unbelievable. Ready? Yep, tails. Got? It is tails. So Pete Buttigieg wins the coin flip and the second delegate. For a while, everything seemed fine, even better than some feared, with the party handing down new rules that not all caucus goers were briefed on. For the first time, Iowans wrote down their choices on paper on what are called presidential preference cards. And there was a new level of accessibility and inclusivity in the process. Muslim Iowans could caucus at their mosques, and Iowans caucused in American Sign Language, Spanish, French, Swahili, Nepali, and Kurundi. But as the night wore on, there was an eerie silence from the Iowa Democratic Party. The IDP had set expectations that results would start rolling in around 8 local time, and that by around 10, the bulk of the results would be in. But there were no numbers. The app wasn't working, and tensions were running high. At 10.30, the party acknowledged that there was a problem with the app, saying it was a reporting issue, but not a hack. 20 minutes later, Joe Biden's lawyer was getting involved, sending a scathing letter to the IDP, citing acute failures statewide in getting the results reported. And across the country, listeners of Morning Edition woke up to this. We are here broadcasting live at Smoky Row Coffee House in Des Moines, Iowa. Hello. There they are, Hello, in front of everybody. a live audience. Hello. Everyone was up late awaiting results in the Democratic caucus vote, results that we still do not have. Uh, Precincts across the state reported all these technical issues, inconsistencies, which kept Democratic Party officials from reporting the results. The results were still not in Tuesday morning, and all the candidates were already on to New Hampshire. After a break, we'll talk about the Iowa caucus meltdown, and we'll hear how calls to take away Iowa's first-in-the-nation status are getting a lot louder. Caucus Land is sponsored by Gravitate Coworking and by Cornell College in Mount Vernon, Iowa where students get a first-in-the-nation, hands-on experience with the political process every election cycle. Explore interdisciplinary learning at cornellcollege.edu. High-quality journalism is more important now than it has ever been. If you've learned something today by listening to this episode, make a contribution now at iowapublicradio.org. It's your support that makes podcasts like Caucusland possible. The Iowa caucuses may be over, but the political world in Iowa, well, it's just heating up with the 2020 legislative session. Come to the Capitol with us on our weekly legislative podcast, Under the Golden Dome. Subscribe to Under the Golden Dome wherever you listen to podcasts. It's caucus land from Iowa Public Radio. I'm Clay Masters. I'm Kate Payne. That Saturday before the caucuses, more superstitious people might have recognized there was a bad omen here in Iowa. The gold standard of Iowa polls was canceled. J.N. Selzer is the woman behind the Des Moines Register CNN Mediacom poll. Political watchers all over count her as the best in the business. But minutes before the latest poll was supposed to be released, there was an announcement. There would be no numbers. The Des Moines Register canceled their final poll, and once again, they were right. That's John Deeth with the Johnson County Democrats. He helped run a caucus in Iowa City. The release of the poll was canceled after Pete Buttigieg's campaign raised concerns that his name was not included in at least one phone call. I called up Deeth the morning after. I should have known that was a bad omen. 
Superstitions aside, there were signs of problems. Some precinct chairs had been having issues downloading and logging into the app for days, and they were alerting the state party. Some had already given up on the new and largely untested technology even before caucusing had started. By the end of caucus night, Deeth was one of the scores of people across the state resorting to the party's backup plan to report their results over the phone. But the IDP's hotline was overwhelmed. Deeth and other precinct chairs met up at a Coralville hotel as they tried to get anyone on the phone. Finally, someone got through. And they stayed on the line. And once each precinct got reported, they handed the phone off to the next chair to report the next precinct. So we just kept the phone line open once we had one. In Shelby County in western Iowa, county co-chair Amber Moore was never even able to download the app. When she tried, she says she got error messages saying the software could harm her device. Every time I tried to download it, I got the same message that, or a similar message that it would be harmful to my device in order to download it, or I did not have permission to install it on my device because of the source. A week and a half before caucus night, Moore had already given up on the app. She told the other precinct chairs in her county not to depend on it. I reported to them my attempts with the device, and they had not had a chance to try it yet. So we just, we kind of gave them the advice, if you get the app to work, fine. If not, this is the number to call. Put it in your phones right now, and we'll just go off that because that will still be able to report the information accurately. In Blackhawk County in northeast Iowa, Vice Chair Nate Gruber said he didn't get access to the app until the weekend before caucus night. He says the app seemed like a last-minute addition, and the rollout felt rushed. When he finally got access to it, his party-assigned PIN numbers wouldn't let him log in. Gruber says he just got the sense the party was so worried about keeping the app under wraps that it never got the testing it should have. Maybe there were security concerns. They didn't want the app out in the wild any any longer than they had to, but... That decision, I believe, maybe um, prevented them from being able to work bugs out. All right, Kate, you and Miles Parks with NPR broke the story in January 2020 that the Iowa Democratic Party was going to use this app. At the time, cybersecurity experts were concerned, and they said if there's any issue with the app, it could slow down results. What did Troy Price say to you then? So at the time, Price said that the party had worked with cybersecurity experts to test the app, but he repeatedly declined to give specific details on what stress tests and security audits had actually been done. He wouldn't even give us basic information like who developed the app. Price said he was confident in the system, but that people would still be able to call in their results to a hotline if they needed. And he said that the party would have backups on backups on backups to make sure the reporting process was accurate and went smoothly. Now we know that those backups failed, delaying the final results for days. Let's bring in Iowa Public Radio's Grant Gerlock. He was there on Tuesday, the day after the Iowa caucuses. It was around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and the Iowa Democratic Party had called a press conference. Yeah, so there was still no results at this time. And the reason the press conference was significant is because... Uh, State Party Chair Troy Price was going to be there and speaking to reporters, even taking a couple questions. And at this point, the only time we had heard from him was at one in the morning on a phone press call where he made a statement and took no questions. So we had a lot to hear from him. Okay, then describe this scene then. What did you see when you showed up? Well, so it was in this big ballroom at the top floor of a downtown convention center. And it was a room where there had been a massive press corps on caucus night. 
But by Tuesday afternoon, it was just sort of the leftovers, the remains right. of this huge national press corps that had been here. Most of them were on to New Hampshire by now. They all wanted to be moving on, <laughs> but some of them had to stay behind until there were some results to talk about. So we were waiting for Troy Price, and here he comes out and walks onto the stage, just him and the podium, and he started to explain a bit more about what happened. But first, he said he was sorry. The reporting of the results and circumstances surrounding the 2020 Iowa Democratic uh, Party caucuses were unacceptable. As chair of the party, I apologize deeply for this. So Troy Price said that there was a problem in the coding of the app itself and that after analyzing some of the results coming in, they noticed that only partial data was being reported from the precincts. And that was the problem that caused the delay. So he's apologized. Did he acknowledge that there were any other problems besides just the coding issues? No, not really. I mean, he admitted there were multiple reporting challenges. Uh, That's how he put it. And we know, as you mentioned, precinct leaders had trouble downloading the app. They had trouble getting through the backup phone system when the app didn't work. So those things happened. But the only thing Price really talked about was the problem with the coding in the app itself, sending partial data. And his main message was to emphasize that there was a failsafe. There was a paper trail and that they're relying on that. So they're going through, taking their time to count the results from the paper to get a full and accurate count. But he wanted to reiterate that there was no hacking. There was no security breach, that it was a technical bug that didn't show up before. I will say that we have worked with cybersecurity experts, nationally renowned cybersecurity experts, to test this app and to uh, uh, do uh, testing and security checks on this app. Uh, So uh, we we took the steps we felt was necessary, but we found a coding error last night once we discovered some irregularities as the results started to come in. Grant, there's this dark cloud that is hanging over Iowa now. I mean, it's it's not even about the results of the Iowa caucuses anymore. And candidates and campaigns, they've spent millions of dollars and months of their lives here. I mean, for what, right? That's the big question. Yeah, it's hard to overstate what kind of letdown it would be for the campaigns. But Iowa has its defenders, especially within the state. Governor Kim Reynolds, who is a Republican, said Iowa should stay first even though the state will have to lobby to keep that spot. In fact, all the state's top Republicans are standing up for Iowa's position. Even President Donald Trump defended Iowa, although he attacked Democrats at the same time for how it turned out. And we should say, this is basically the most bipartisan issue in the state, the Iowa caucuses, because both parties have so much invested in Iowa being first and the attention that they get because of that. So how are they defending this now? Well, something you hear a lot is that, you know, the caucusing itself went pretty well at the precincts. The problem was reporting the results. So ultimately, the numbers will come out, they'll be accurate, and the delegates will be divided up. And that's what the whole process is for. Except that in the grand scheme of things, Iowa doesn't award that many delegates. Yeah, 41, right? Right. So the caucus is about concentrating the political focus of the nation to help candidates gain momentum, get their message out. And hopefully at the end, they have an opportunity for this moment that propels them forward. But they didn't have the opportunity to gain that moment at the end of the caucuses on Monday night. And this entire situation has just added fuel to that fire for people who've been critics of the Iowa caucuses all along. Yeah, like Julian Castro, the former housing secretary who was a candidate himself for a long time. He stuck his neck out months ago to criticize the caucuses for limiting participation and saying 
that a more diverse state should go first. He wasn't talking about reporting problems, which is what we ended up with. But the night of the caucus, he was basically saying, I told you so. Iowa's in over its head and it's entitled. All right. Iowa Public Radio's Grant Gerlach, thank you. You're welcome. As we're recording this episode, we still don't have the final results of the 2020 Iowa caucuses. And there's been a feverish churn of doubt, misinformation and conspiracy theories as the delays stretch out and inconsistencies in the results are discovered. What happened on February 3rd could change the presidential nominating process forever. There's a history of caucus mistakes, even in this last decade. In 2012, Mitt Romney was named the winner of the Iowa Republican caucuses, and then a short time after, it turns out the winner was actually Rick Santorum. Then in 2016, there was a virtual tie between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton with no way to do a recount. That led the Democratic National Committee to force Iowa Democrats to change their system. Those fumbles weren't enough to take Iowa down, but this feels different. We don't know if this is the end of the Iowa caucuses as we know them, but the state was humiliated while the world watched on live television, and that humiliation still feels far from over. This episode of Caucus Land was produced by me, Clay Masters, Kate Payne, Grant Gerlock, and John Pemble. Our music was composed by Garrett Schmidt and performed by Garrett and Aaron James. We also get help from our digital team, Lindsay Moon and Matt Siren. Our news director is Michael Leland. Our executive producer is Katherine Perkins. Caucus Land's earlier episodes on the history of the Iowa caucuses are available wherever you get your podcasts. Then rate and share the show. Caucus Land is a production of Iowa Public Radio.